0: Hey, welcome. Glad you're here this morning. My name is Jake. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, and if I haven't got a chance to meet you, I would love to meet you. Um, I'm glad you're here. What we're doing, just to throw it out there, we're going to jump right into it this morning. Normally, we just kind of do this little dance around, then we'll get into it, but we have a lot to actually go through today, because I'm super pumped about this topic, and then especially about what we're going to cover today. Um, Let you know, if you're just joining us, two weeks ago, we started a Heaven series, and uh, again, I've been... Getting ready for this, I think, for the last two years to be chatting about these topics. Um, but two year, two weeks ago, we started it. We talked about the um, heaven. It was a little bit of a paradigm shift. And then last week, uh, Bob shared. He drew the short end of the straw and got to talk about hell. Um, And so today we're back on to heaven, so we're going to talk about heaven, but what I want to do before we do that is I want to do a quick little review of what we talked about two weeks ago because it's very important to setting up the foundation of what we're going to talk about today. So we'll start in a verse in Revelation 21. Um, The Apostle John said this, he had a vision, he had a dream that was given to him by God and then basically what he did is he wrote down that vision and it says this, it says, I saw, then I saw. A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Typically when it comes to people thinking about heaven, a lot of times this language of the new heaven and the new earth gets skipped over. But what's crazy is that it's all throughout the Bible. It's nuts how much this is throughout there. And the, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And this was kind of brand new to me even as a pastor. And so I want to do a quick little review through pictures. I did this two weeks ago. And so here's what it is. This is the earth. Um, that's what I said two weeks ago. And just so that you know, it's still the earth today. Um, So that's where we live. That's our home. That's our planet. That's where we reside and do life. And then at some point in time, when we pass away, when life comes to an end, we head out to this place that we've known as heaven, right? And so that's my best picture that I could make of heaven. Um, I dream of Disney, so therefore I made it a castle. Um, So there you have that. But this is where our friends go. This is where our family members, this is where Maggie is at this point in time, at the intermediate heaven. And I use that word intentionally because it's really known, um, it is heaven But intermediate means it's going to move, and this might be a little bit of a paradigm shift for you, but at some point in time, heaven will relocate. This is the present heaven. This is the intermediate heaven, and so what will happen in time is that the earth will pass away, as that scripture just said, the old earth will pass away, and then it will be renewed, and we will have a renewed earth, and so the earth will come back into existence. It's kind of like if there was a volcano and everything's wiped out, and then all of a sudden. you know, life starts to come up a couple years later or a year later, same thing. The earth will be renewed, but at that time, here's what's really cool. The intermediate heaven will move. It will leave its current location and it will become the new heaven and the new earth. They will join. The, the heaven exists. The intermediate heaven will move down to planet earth and this is what is known as the eternal heaven. And so when it comes to scripture, And the way that heaven is talked about in the Bible, about 90% of the time it is talking about the eternal heaven or the new heaven and the new earth. There's just a few passages that talk on the intermediate heaven and that's what I talked about two weeks ago. But today, what I want to spend all the time talking about and focusing on is this eternal heaven, this new heaven, and this new earth. And again, I just want to say this, for years, As a new believer and even as a pastor, I believed, and I had this picture of God, and I don't know if you have this, but maybe I saw him as a frustrated inventor, right? That he made this creation, and all of a sudden his creation failed, and somehow maybe he had made a mistake. And that the way that this is all going to work out is I believed he was going to destroy the earth And that he was going to, and we were going to abandon this planet. And he was simply going to start over in heaven. He was going to do a redo, kind of like the flood. He was going to do a redo. And his consolation was that a few people that believed in him would go with him to this new place, this plan B. And that this unforeseen, this unearthly, this disembodied heaven. And what I had learned is that that is incorrect. That is not the truth. There is no disembodied. It's not plan B. And in the past two years, my eyes have been opened to what Scripture has been saying all along. And so today might be a little bit of a paradigm shift for you. But here's the big truth in this, is that God is not going to abandon his original creation. In fact, what he's going to do is he's going to restore it. He's not going to go away and just say, oh, that was all bad, and I'm going to just try again. He's going to restore it. And so there's these little verses in here. In Isaiah 65, God said this, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. That word new, the the Greek translation is kinos or kinos, however you want to pronounce it. Um, And it technically means renewed. And so what the Bible is saying is that I will create a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. And God's redemption plan, hear me on this, is so much bigger, is so much larger than we expected or we ever realized. It is all-inclusive throughout all of history, all, all of creation. Yes, we know this, right? We know that God will redeem us. It says we will have a renewed heart, Ezekiel 36. We'll have renewed strength, Isaiah 40. Renewed mind, Romans 12. Renewed spirit, Psalm 51. But the bigger plan is that he will also renew all of creation. All of creation. Everything will be renewed. And so there's this biblical vocabulary that somehow it'll make this point clear, and we've seen this all throughout Scripture. It's all over the place, um, but somehow we kind of look over it. We don't notice it, but it's words like reconcile and return or redeem, or renew, or restore, or recover, or regenerate, or resurrect. These are all throughout God's word, and they all have this prefix, this prefix of re, which implies a return to an original condition for something that has been lost, or broken, or ruined. It is renewed, and everything will be renewed. What's crazy is even all of Jesus' miracles, if you pay attention to them, every single one except for one, which is the cursing of the fig tree, all of them are about miracles of restoration, right? Think about that. Like restoration to health. Someone couldn't walk, and so they renew their legs, or they couldn't see. They re- God renews um, their eyes. Or restoration to life. They were dead, and then they came back from the dead. Or restoration to freedom from demonic possession. All the miracles... We're about restoration and everything will be renewed. Um, I wanted to actually, believe it or not, when we went through the process of trying to name this church, um, one of the names on the top of the list was literally uh, the, um, oh, sorry, got to get here. Restoration. Thank you. Restoration Church. Obviously, I forgot about it. That is the past. (laughs) But Restoration Church, I wanted to call it that. And the reason is, I love this concept. It's so biblical, and there's unfortunately a church in Seattle that's already named that, so that's out of the the hat. But we love this idea of restoring, making old things new again, or even better is what that word actually means. Um, We do that with cars. I tried to do that with a desk at one point in time. When we moved in, when my wife and I, we moved into our home, there was this. I don't know why it was there. They left it because it looked terrible. Not this picture, but I'm telling you, it was a black spray-painted desk, right? It was a black spray-painted desk. It was nasty. And when we picked it up, we realized that it truly was made out of solid wood. And so what I did is for months— I went in the garage and I sanded this. I sanded this with my girls. I sanded this all the time, nonstop. And then we restored it. And this is what it looks like now. Right here. And we did the best that we possibly could. And my wife got all these beautiful handles and I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be perfect because we made it to be in my office. And then once she saw it, she's like, "Uh, that's staying in the house. And so (laughs) so I never made it to my office but it is in our office at our house right now. Um, But I mean, God is the ultimate salvage artist. He is the ultimate restorer. Everything will be renewed. Albert Walter, he's a guy who wrote this book called Creation Regained, and he writes this. He says, God hangs on to his fallen original creation, and look at this, and salvages it. He refuses to abandon the work of his hands. In fact, he sacrificed his own son to save his original project. That project? was us. It was creation. It was the earth. Mankind, which botched its original mandate and the whole creation along with it, is given another chance. How are we given another chance? In Christ. We are, and there's another R word, reinstated as God's managers on earth, a renewed earth. The original good, and God uses the word very good, creation, is to be restored. Let me make this super clear, as clear as I possibly can. God didn't make a mistake when making us. God did not mess up, and God has not given up on his original creation. In fact, this was his plan all along, the renewing of all things. Everything will be renewed. And so in light of that concept, in light of what Scripture says, I want you to look. We're going to walk through a passage here. This is Peter's perspective. I want you to look at his posture. And he actually, there's three words that repeat themselves all throughout the passage. But here's what he says. Peter is a disciple, and he said, But the day of the Lord, and he's talking about a new heaven and a new earth, and when that will come, will come like a thief. So it'll be sudden. It'll be without warning. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements, or the physical properties of earth, will be destroyed by fire and the earth, and everything done in it will be laid bare. Like I said, like a volcano, it will all be laid bare. It'll just be black. Verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought ought you to be? And what Peter's doing is he's asking, and then he's going to answer, how should we prepare for what is inevitably about ready to come? And he says you ought to live holy and godly lives. And check out verse 12. Here it is. As you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. What Peter is saying is he's saying live right, okay? trust in Jesus, but also look forward to, think about, dwell on, eagerly anticipate the coming of our inevitable end because that is also just the beginning. And he goes on and he says, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But here it is, in keeping with his promise, God's promise, we are, and here it is again, Looking forward to a new heaven and a new or a renewed earth where righteousness dwells. Verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are, and then here it is again, looking forward to this, to what? We're looking forward to the promise to the new heavens and to the renewed earth. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, at, and at peace with him. In other words, what Peter is saying is make sure you're in right relationship with Jesus. And the reason you want to make sure that you are in right relationship with Jesus is because when you are, we have so much to look forward to. That is the one point I want you to catch today. We have so much. Peter got it back then. We have so much to look forward to. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time literally talking about the new heaven and the new earth and what it is going to be like. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to answer the questions that you guys sent in to us these last couple weeks. Um, And then there's a few in there that I threw that I'm like, I don't know why you didn't ask those questions, but um, throwing those ones in as well. And we will talk about those questions. And so here's the first one that most everyone asked: is, what will heaven be like? What will the eternal heaven be like? What will it be like? And when I started to study this and when I started to look into this, what I realized more than anything is that it will be more physical than we expect. Heaven will be more physical, more tangible, more touchable, and more familiar than we actually expect that it will be. Most people, this is what most people think. In fact, most Christians believe this too, is that when we die— We enter some ghostly state, and that's where we'll be for the rest of our lives, floating on clouds, some disembodied consciousness. And I think it is because of this thought that we don't really look forward, this inaccurate, false, unearthly, unbiblical picture of eternity. We don't look forward to eternity. What this is called is it's called Christoplatonism. And basically, that's a fancy word for saying, hey, all things that are material, all things that are physical, all things that are matter, they are bad. We've heard that, and we've heard that the flesh is bad in in our services and that the spirit is good. And when we go to heaven, we assume that all the bad things, like our flesh, will go away. But God made us mind, body, and spirit. And it's not that our flesh in itself, the materials, are bad. It's the fact that our sin nature is bad. And so when we go to heaven, we're not just going to simply be souls floating around. That is not true. But somehow we've bought into this lie that that's what it's going to be like. And we wouldn't say it out loud, but because we've heard this, we're not, super, we're not looking forward to heaven because it doesn't appeal to us. And then in a way, sometimes we even feel bad because, ah, I love Jesus, but I'm not looking forward to spending eternity with him because eventually, if it's like a church service, it's going to get boring. Right? And I just can't do that. But it's not going to be like that. Look at what Randy Alcorn wrote. And if you don't know who Randy Alcorn is, he's a guy who wrote a book, Heaven. If there's any book that you should be reading on the topic of heaven, it is literally this book. This is the authority when it comes to um, what what will heaven be like from a scriptural standpoint. And he wrote this. He says, we, and he's talking about humans, don't desire to eat gravel. Why? Because God did not design us to eat gravel. Trying to develop an appetite for, and here it is, a disembodied existence, catch this, in a non physical heaven is like trying to develop an appetite for gravel. No matter how sincere we are, no matter how hard we try, it is not going to work, (laughs) and nor should it. Because, guys, we were not built, humans are not built to live in a disembodied state, in a disembodied or some sort of floating heaven. And so heaven is described in the Bible in two basic ways. One way is in a city, and one way is in a country. And we can know what heaven is like, because guess what? We've all been to the country. Some of us. Some of us have never got out of the city, so we know what the city looks like, at least that. And so we know that in a country, guess what? There are mountains. There are grass fields, there are trees, there are lakes, there are rivers for me to fish in. That is exactly what's going to be in there. In fact, the Bible says that there's this huge river that goes down Main Street. So like, for example, if it was Disneyland, Main Street would be a river, and that is what goes through the heart of the New Jerusalem. The old the heaven will come down and they will create a new Jerusalem. And at the center, that will be the center city where God dwells. And in the middle of that, running through the heart of it, will be a river. And that river is going to be like a river we've seen. We will be able to swim in it. We will be able to play in it. We'll be able to drink from it in that moment. It will be a river right down the middle of the city. That will be crazy. And the Bible describes it um, also that there will be a tree. And that in the middle of the city of Jerusalem, there will be the garden. The garden started it all, and then the garden will be in the middle of it all at the very end. And in the middle of that garden will be a tree. What tree is that? It is the exact same tree that Adam and Eve took a bite of that fruit from so many years ago. That tree in the Garden of Eden was transplanted up to the intermediate heaven. That's where it sits. And eventually it will be transplanted back down when heaven moves to earth. And that's where it will be. And there will be that tree in that place and we all know this what a city looks like right because a city is made up of buildings there's streets there's lights there'll be signs in heaven they probably won't have like comic sans as a font but you know because that is definitely not godly <laughs> but there will be cultures right so There'll be cultures. There's all these cultures that have happened throughout history, and those will all be present there as well. They'll be learning. When you get to heaven, you're not going to know everything immediately. We'll be able to learn and to grow and to educate ourselves. There will be art, right? You'll be able to do art. And if you're not good at art, guess what? You've got an eternity to pick it up, right? You can get better. There will be art in heaven, there will be sports, amen, okay? I don't know if the Seahawks will be there, but hopefully, <laughs> all right? There will be sports, and we'll be able to watch, and we'll be able to cheer our favorite teams on as well. And if Jesus is playing, I'm probably going to cheer for that team, you know? There will be technology. This is one that people always freak out on. We'll still have the ability to glorify God by creating and recreating. And so that, could vary. that is technology as well. We'll be able to build things. There's got to be movies in heaven, right? Making movies and watching movies. And there could very well be cars. And if you're stuck on your iPhone, maybe your iPhone. You can invent that in the period of time. But truly, there will be technology. There will be sports. There will be learning. It will be a city because this is just a taste. This earth is just a taste. And we have an eternity to explore. Not just explore the planet Earth, but potentially even the universe, right? And in an endless adventure. It'll be far more physical than we have actually imagined. It will not be floating on clouds with a harp. That will not be what it's like. The other thing it'll be, and this one's huge, is that there will be no pain in heaven. It will be gone, over, and done. And the reason it will be gone, over, and done is because sin will be gone, over, and done. And so there will be no pain. Revelations 21 says this. He, being God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And that means from our eyes, too. And there will be, okay, no more death. So catch this, guys. There will be no goodbyes in heaven. It's always, I'll see you later. Right? Right? Or sorrow, so there's no loneliness, no loss. There'll be no crying, so if you're a parent of young kids, this is like great news. (laughs) And here's the last one, or pain. There will be no pain. All these will be gone for how long? Forever. Forever. We just did a series on pain. And if you were here, it was intense. And the one thing that we learned from that process is that every one of us are in pain. We share that in common. whether Different degrees of pain. Some of us have gone through so much and some of us are about to go through so much, but we've all gone through pain and, and it's gonna be gone. And so think about like, I just picture this. Think about what it will be like, the, the best moment of your life that you had here on earth, whatever that is. Maybe that's the birth of your child. Maybe that's your wedding day. I don't know what it could possibly be. Maybe when it's in the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. That would be great as well. But think about that moment and know that in heaven, the first moment and every moment after that will be like way better than that. Way better than the best moment that you've possibly had here on earth. The other big thing about heaven, what it'll be like is this, is that God will be there. And I don't just mean he will be there like we will feel him, we will see him. He will physically, physically be there. How many of you guys have ever dreamed of that moment when you are going to see Jesus for the first time and what will that be like, right? That moment when you're standing before him and you... You don't even know what to do or how to do it. or what. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Fall at his feet? Um, Are you supposed to give him a hug? I mean, are you going to burst into tears? Are you going to freeze in that moment? I don't know. But what is amazing is that we will see him face to face. It will be real, literal. He'll be standing before us. And then we can go on walks with him. And we can ask him questions about this and about that. And he'll have every answer, whether we can understand it at the time or not. But he will have every single answer. And like Adam, we'll be able to walk daily with him. And God the Father, his presence is literally going to light heaven. So there's no night in heaven, in this eternal heaven. It will literally be daytime all the time because God is glowing. His radiance is showing. We have so much to look forward to. All right, next question. And I don't know why everybody asks this one a lot, but it's one of the main ones. Will there be animals in the eternal heaven? And the short answer to this is yes. Isaiah 11 tells us that the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling all together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox." The one thing to notice in here is that there's definitely no mention of a household cat. Um, (laughs) So truly we are not sure at this point in time if they'll be there. The answer to this is yes, Um, animals will be there. Animals will be there, and yes, probably your cat will be there as well. Um, And I don't even know. That's actually the big question is will our specific pets be there? Will our pets be there? So growing up, I had a dog named Cinnamon and another dog named Gandhi. And so the question is, will Cinnamon and Gandhi be there? And the answer to that is, um, we don't really know. The only thing that we know for sure is that my parents really don't know how to name our dogs. Um, That's what we know. Okay, but we don't know if our exact pets will be there. But here's what Billy Graham says. He says this, I think God will have prepared everything for our perfect happiness in heaven. If it takes my dog, and I hate to say it, or your cat, um, to be there, then he'll be there. That they will be there. Um, and again, we honestly don't know, but here's what's crazy cool when you start to think about the fact that animals will be there. If God is going to redeem all animals that have existed and all races, all, all, all animals, right? What about extinct animals? No, Seriously there is a great chance that there will be dinosaurs in heaven. Dinosaurs in heaven. Imagine that. And they'll be friendly, right? What better way to show the magnificence of God than a T-Rex going on a walk with you? I mean, how crazy would that be? There was a, there was a little girl um, named Vienne, And uh, we, she's friends of the family. We were, um, uh we're friends with her parents, and Vienne passed away a little bit before Maggie passed away. And just like Maggie loved princesses, Vienne loved dinosaurs, right? That was her thing. She loved green dinosaurs. And I don't know, you know, she's in the intermediate heaven. I don't know if there are dinosaurs present in the intermediate heaven, but I know the day that she steps into the new heaven and the new earth that she can ride the back of a, tri- like a triceratops, you know? How cool is that going to be? That's amazing. Now, you think I'm crazy now? Wait for the next one, all right? Don't throw anything at me because this is crazy. Here, I think there's even scriptural stability in this, not a whole lot. The animals could talk in heaven, okay? Now, hold on, hold on. Uh, Some of you are like, Jake, you've been reading way too much Narnia books, right? Yeah, and I have, I have. We're reading them right now. We're going through them. But think about this. Prior to the fall, right? Prior to the fall, the serpent could do what? He could talk. He was considered crafty. He was cunning. He could communicate. And if God is restoring what was old back to what was before and what is even better, then maybe all our animals could talk. I mean, seriously, what would your dog say to you when you see them in heaven for that time? What would all the cats say that I ran into Um, (laughs) not good but here's the deal either way whether animals talk or not and I truly don't know but it's just a great thought is that we have a lot to look forward to all right next question what about loved ones in heaven here's what we do know that there will be a great reunion a great reunion For those who know Jesus and have known Jesus, I can't not tell you how many times I have thought of the day when I will be reunited with my daughter, right? And what that moment will be like. And if I pass away now, I'll go to the intermediate heaven. And if I go there, then I'm going to ask my daughter to take me on a tour and show me around. And what have you been doing for this last period of time? And I can't wait for that, right? But I do know this, is that we will both be able to discover the new earth together. Because we'll all go there at the same time. And that means if your husband has passed, you can go there with him. If your wife or your family members or even a close friend have passed and they've known Jesus, you get to experience the new heaven and the new earth for the first time together. It'll be a great reunion. And and, and I actually, I had a a meeting with a guy this week and he told me about his family. And I mean, jeez. His family, it sounds like the guy has had no breaks in his family. And he's like, I don't look forward to see my family. I don't think any of them are going to be there. And so I'll be there all by myself. And the interesting thing is, is that when you get there, we'll have a new, greater family. Right? For example, C.S. Lewis is going to be in our family when we get there. And we can sit and we could talk to him about what he wrote. Right? I've been wanting to meet a guy who passed away a long time ago named Keith Green, who loved Jesus I have so much that I want to talk to him about. We'll be able to talk to Peter and to Paul, and we'll be able to ask John the Baptist what locusts tastes like, and we'll be able to have these conversations because our family will have grown and they will be bigger. So it's a big deal. to be a great time of great reunion. But the, probably the question that's the biggest around this is, what about those who didn't choose Jesus? If our loved ones are in hell, Won't that spoil heaven for us, is the question. And I'll straight up tell you that there is no easy answer for this. There's no easy answer for this. I know for a fact that we will be aware. And the reason I know that we will be aware of their absence is because heaven's joy is not dependent upon our ignorance. The Bible doesn't support that, right? And so we will know, but yet somehow, and I say somehow, we will not be grieved about their absence. We will not be in pain. And this seems like an impossible paradox, right? It truly does. How could I be in heaven when my kids are suffering in hell? But here's the hard truth, okay? And I wrote it down so that I don't get it wrong because I want to get this part correct. It says, I, I wrote this. I said, I believe when we step into eternity, the veil will finally be lifted. And upon seeing God's unhindered glory and the full measure of, of his grace, only then will we understand. In that moment, we will understand his righteousness, his judgment. At that moment, it'll make sense, and I believe we'll agree with it. Because no human deserves heaven. No human deserves heaven. Hell, separation, is our default destination. For all have sinned. For all have fallen short. We've all missed the mark. And the reason... That this feels so unjust, the reason that we can't fully comprehend or grasp this concept is because like Bob said last week, we are currently unable to see the enormity of God's glory and in contrast, here it's huge, the audacity and the immensity of our offense by rejecting him. And so 2 Peter 3 tells us that Jesus has been ridiculously patient with us that he has given us every opportunity to choose him. He wants none to perish. He wants none to go there. He loves your kids, my kids, more than we love our kids. And so he's given us every opportunity to turn to repentance. The thing that I know is I know that this is a very difficult one to answer, and I don't believe that we can fully comprehend it on this planet, but I do know this is I do know that God is good. I do know that God is good. And we have so much to look forward to because he is. Here's the next one. Will we really have new bodies? Will we really have new bodies? Randy Alcorn writes this. He says, of Americans who believe in the resurrection of the dead, you catch this, two-thirds believe they will not have bodies after the resurrection. This is Christians. Two-thirds believe that. That's crazy to me that two-thirds think we will enter into a disembodied consciousness. And Alcorn goes on and he says this, but this is self-contradictory. A non-physical resurrection is like a sunless sunrise. There is no such thing. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, for we will put on heavenly bodies. And he talks about it like we will put on heavenly bodies like new clothes. We will not be spirits without bodies. It is pretty clear that we will have new bodies. And so the question is, what will our new bodies look like? And I did think about having Lauren stand up so that we could all look at him one more time and we could see what our heavenly bodies would look like. And I'm not going to do that right now. Because you can get a good idea of what your heavenly body will look like by looking at your own body, right? And some of you are like, well, that sucks, you know, like... (laughs) Here's what I mean by that. It means we'll look human. We're going to look human, right? When you buy a new car, when you get a new car, there are some expectations that come with getting a new car. You're assuming it's going to have a steering wheel. You're assuming it's going to have wheels. You're assuming it's going to have a windshield. You're going to assume it's going to drive and that it has a motor. You're going to assume those things because when you get a new car, it does. Same thing, when you get a new human body, It is going to have human parts to it. You will have two hands, two feet. You're right. You're not going to have a third ear right on the top of your forehead here. That's not going to be the way it is. We know this, scripturally speaking, because Jesus walked around as the first one that was resurrected, right? He was the first one to be resurrected. And when they saw him, they didn't freak out and go, oh, my gosh, an alien. He said, come physically touch me and see and he was real and he looked human. Otherwise, it would have been written in there. And so our bodies will be perfect. And by perfect, I mean healthy. We will have no aching bones. There will be no wheelchairs. And there will be no cancer. And we will be, this is probably the most amazing part, we will be fully satisfied with our bodies. Fully satisfied. There will be no insecurity or arrogance. There will be no hiding And there will be no trying to impress. We don't have to try and look beautiful because we will be beautiful. Every single one of us. We have so much to look forward to. Next one is this. Will we all be the same age? So if we get in new bodies that don't age, right, what age are we going to be? And there's lots of theories on this, but the truth is we really don't know. Most theologians would say and believe that the resurrection will happen, the resurrection of our bodies will happen around the age of our physical peak. So some people say, like, that's 25 years old. And let's just say if a kid passed away before they reached 25, they will be in heaven at their 25-year-old body or whatever that would have been. Which leads me to a crazy question. So if that's the case, does that mean that there's no children on the new earth? And Isaiah 11 talks about kids playing with animals in heaven, and so the answer is there will probably be kids in heaven, right? But what will that be? And so uh, this one is obviously a big one to me because we missed out on a whole lot when it came to our daughter, when it came to the opportunity to raise her, to watch her grow. And what if, God, and I'm just saying what if, and this is just me dreaming, so don't be like, oh, Jake, you're going theologically off the rails. Where did you get that from? What if God's redemption plan allowed us to raise our daughter in heaven, right? What if they restored what was lost? What if he restored that? What if he replaced our plane and gave us the joy of experiencing life with her and raising her at that time and her growing up? That would be a wonderful restoration plan. Wonderful. And I don't know if it's going to happen, but I know that we have a lot to look forward to. All right, let me do this. we got so many questions, I'm going to hit them rapid fire now, okay? I'm going to go boom, boom, boom. So here we go. Will we eat or drink in heaven? And the answer to that is yes. Jesus himself talks about a great feast, um, and I believe that he's talking about literal physical food, not figurative food. We are going to eat, so think of the best food that you've ever eaten ever in your life and know that it's going to taste even better than that when you get to heaven. Will we remember our lives on earth? Right? This is a huge one. Will we remember our lives on earth? According to Revelation 6, we will remember our past life. But here's the cool thing: we will not long for it. It'll be like junior high. We it happened, but we don't don't ever want to go back there. Right? Huge. Will there be marriage in heaven? Oh, the answer to this is yes and no. There will be marriage. But there will be one marriage, and that will be us married to Christ. We will be his bride, right? And some of you guys are like, I just don't get that, right? No, we will be his bride. He will be our groom, and that will be the marriage relationship that will be in heaven. Jesus actually talked about this and said that in like this, we will be like the angels and that we will be married to him. And I believe, here's what I think, it doesn't mean that you are not having conversations with your spouse. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be married anymore. Amen. It sounds like heaven. There you go. But for other people, for most of us, you're like, oh no, I, I, I love my spouse. I love my wife. I love my husband. I want to I continue that relationship. And you will. And guess what? Here's what I think. I think when the veil of sin is gone... That relationship will be all the more richer, all the more better, and you will grow all the more closer to your spouse when you are in heaven. Will you be married? You will be married to Christ. Will you have a great relationship with your spouse that's here on earth, and will you remember your time on earth? Yes, you will, absolutely. What logically follows that is will there be sex in heaven, right? Um, Probably not right? And half of you are like, well, I don't want to be a Christian now. I'm done. I, I, I quit. That's it. It's over. Well, here's the reason why, and there's not a lot, we don't know for sure, but we just know that there will be no marriage in heaven, so there probably will be no sex in heaven, but God was the inventor of sex, right? He was the inventor of that feeling. He was the inventor of that relationship, and so he's got to redeem it in some way, right? I don't know if it'll, I don't think it'll be regular sex, but I think it will be something that will replace it, and we, maybe just the sheer presence of being in heaven will be that great. Who knows? Will we wear clothes? Ah, this one's a fun one. Uh, the answer is Maybe. <laughs> maybe. And I'm cool with that, right? All right, I'm cool with that. Revelation 3 says, talks about that we'll be wearing white robes, um, and, and, and so maybe we'll be wearing white robes, but we'll probably also be wearing jeans as well and T-shirts of our time because we'll be able to create those. Um, but back in that time, they knew about robes that was common for them. But think about this. Adam and Eve, they didn't wear clothes, Right? They didn't have any clothes on whatsoever, and they were all right with that. And if we're trying to restore the old Eden to the new Eden, then there's a good chance that we may be streaking through heaven for all of eternity. And that sounds awesome, doesn't it? (laughs) Skinny dipping every day. So the question next, the next question is, will heaven be boring? (laughs) And uh, not if people are streaking. I don't think it'll be boring. (laughs) I think it'll be totally fun. Hey, there goes my mom, you know. (laughs) It'll be fine. It'll be fine. (laughs) Oh, crap. My mom's going to listen to this podcast. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Boredom, I think, will be impossible in heaven. Impossible. Right? God is not boring. Church may be boring. This church may be boring, right? But God is not boring in the slightest. He created laughter and taste buds and nerve endings and sex, and he will replace it in some way. Everything will be richer in heaven. Food will taste better. Relationships will be richer. Worship, think about worship when you can literally see God in that moment. What will worship be like in that moment? The touch of grass will be richer. We'll have a sense of fulfillment and appreciation for beauty. We'll actually even have jobs in heaven. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, wait, my job is gonna be in heaven? (laughs) That's not heaven. No, think about this. We will have jobs, we'll have something to do. We will be able to help God run the universe. That's fun. That's amazing. That's not gonna get boring. We have so much to look forward to. And here's my last question Can we know we're going to heaven? Can we know that we're going to heaven? And the answer to that is absolutely. Absolutely. Most people think when you get to heaven that the way that it's going to work is you're going to walk up to God and you're going to hand him your resume. You're going to say, God, here's what I've done on earth. I was a good person. I went to church. I even tithed. I was nice to my wife. I raised my kids well. I was faithful at my job. I did all these things. I was faithful to my husband. And you're going to hand him your resume and look what I've done. And that's not how it works. God is not looking for a resume on what we've done. He's looking for a reference on who we know. He is looking for a reference of Jesus. And so if you go up to him and you hand him a piece of paper, and it literally says, I'm with that guy, right? And Jesus is standing over there, and he's just like waves. Yep, I know them. That's all you need. It doesn't matter what you've done, good or bad. It matters who you know. And at that time, it will only matter on the one person that we know, the one person who had the perfect resume, right? And then gave us his life on our behalf. It is on who we know. So if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, if you have, catch this, just the faith of a mustard seed, then you can know that you are going to heaven and that you will spend eternity on the new heaven and on the new earth. We have so much to look forward to. So why is all this important? Why make a big deal about heaven? Because honestly, most churches don't make a big deal about heaven. And it used to be a thing. It used to be a staple in the church that we would talk about heaven um, way back in the day. And somehow we've lost that. And we don't talk about heaven so much. But why is it so important? Why do I spend so much time talking about it? Here's why. And I'll illustrate this with a story uh, about a gal named Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick was a swimmer in the 1950s, and she was a great swimmer, Olympian-level swimmer, and she had swam the English Channel both ways, there and back. She was the first one to be able to do it. It was crazy, but she wanted to challenge herself even more, and so she wanted to swim from Catalina Island to California, which was 22 miles 22 miles in the water. And so she did. She went for it. And she's a great swimmer. She gets in the water. It's in the morning. She goes. Um, There's fog. There's boats that are following her along the way. And she swims, catch this, for 15 hours. I can't even sleep for 15 hours, okay? That is impressive. 15 hours of swimming. And eventually she got physically exhausted. She couldn't go on. She was mentally done. And she says to her mom, who actually just happened to be standing on the boat, I'm done. And she went to touch the side, and and that would have been it, and she wouldn't have made it. And her mom's like, you are so close. You are so close. You're almost there. Don't give up. Don't give up. But she was done. She gave everything that she had, and she was it. And so she grabbed the side of the boat, and they pulled her in. And when she got onto the boat, and she stood on there, moments later, all of a sudden, the fog started to lift. And she could see That the shore was just right there. Right there. And she missed it and she didn't quite make it. It was like a less than a mile off. And here's what she said in her press conference. She said, All I could see was the fog. And I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. So why do I share heaven with you? It's because we've got to see through the fog. And that is the shore that we need to be seeing, is heaven. It makes life so much different to live with eternity in mind, right? When we know what's just up ahead, it makes it doable. We can make it through today if we know what's coming tomorrow. And so we can't forget the picture of heaven. I mean, it is one of the biggest, if not the biggest blessing in all of Scripture, is that we get to spend eternity with God, and yet we spend most of our lives focused on what's happening today and in this moment, and I can't believe that happened. But if we can lift our eyes, and we can look at the shore, and we could see what is coming, it will give us hope for today. Will it not? I can tell you this. Thinking about heaven and having that eternal mindset, since we lost our daughter, truly, has changed how I look at life as a whole, right? And I don't wish any type of experience like that upon anyone, but I wish there was a way that we could all, I could transplant just this passion, this desire, this longing, this yearning for heaven to each and every one of you, but I don't know how to do that. And the best way that I can think to do that is to describe it and how good it is and that we get to spend eternity, eternity, never ending with God And dinosaurs on a new heaven and on a new earth. How amazing is that? I think we have, like I said so many times, a lot to look forward to. Let's pray.